see you, church family. Will you pray with me? Let's pray to ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, you promised to accomplish the purpose for which you send your word and so accomplish it in our hearts. But Lord, let me be fully present. I know that what I put into something is what I get out of it. Let me be fully present to hear your word. And so may the meditation of our hearts, may the words of my mouth be pleasing in, our, in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When is the last time you got lost in something? So absorbed in something that three hours went by just like that, and you're like, oh my goodness, where did time go? Can we talk a little bit about screen time? Now, you might know that when it comes to Facebook and YouTube, there are engineers creating algorithms to keep you hooked. And so when you're watching YouTube and you saw this squirrel video who did like this an American Ninja obstacle course. Did you see the squirrel video? It's really good. It's like 15 minutes long. They know that after you see that 15-minute video, they're going to put on another squirrel video that's just as good to keep you hooked. And that's the way it works, right? And so you can be on YouTube after seeing 10 videos and be like, what just happened to that hour? And the same thing happens with scrolling. Facebook knows who your friends are, the things that you're paying attention to. And so they put scroll after scroll, the thing that's going to create interest. So we lose track of time. I was doing some research on how much screen time our kids use. And even before COVID, this is what was found. That if you have an 8 to 12-year-old, on average, they're spending four and a half hours on screen time. Four and a half hours. Maybe some can relate, maybe not. Teenagers, you know what they found? This has nothing to do with the time they put into school or Zoom. This was before that. But even before this period, they found seven and a half hours. A teen with their cell phone. A teen playing video games. A teen on Netflix. A teen. This is the average of what's going on. Now, I know that we have a group that is brighter and better than the rest, so I mean, you're, you're, you're probably not in that average, but um, um, if you do want advice on this topic, though, um, I was reading a great book called The TechWise Family. Um, this was written by a Christian talking about honoring God with how we use our time, and they talked about ten commitments. For example, one of them was that um, you should put your device to bed before you go to bed to help you sleep, Right? Another thing they said is that you should wake up before your device wakes up so that the first thing you're checking is not email to try to stay sane. But screen time isn't the only thing that we get absorbed in, is it? For example, some of you, that's how you approach work. You get into a project, you get into a startup, you have a new client, and you are so absorbed in it, like you have to come up for air and food. You're like, I missed lunch, yeah, I, I guess I did, right? Some of you are this way with your hobbies, 
You can play sports and you can go on a weekend and watch game after game and not realize, wow, that was 12 hours of baseball time. Holy cow. This happened recently to me. Um, I was painting a room and um, I was so absorbed in just getting it done that like three hours just went by like that because I'm going to get this done, right? You know, put in the AirPods and here we go. So if you know what at all it is to be lost in something, I also have a question for you. And it's this. Is what we get lost in worth it? Is it worthy of the time? Now, some of you might say, of course. Work, I love what I do. It, it pays the bills, of course. My hobby, of course. I love baseball. Come on. Can't get enough. But maybe, just maybe, there are some things that we get lost in that are not worth it. For example, you might know that when it comes to extended use of social media and screen time, studies would show this is not actually that beneficial for our children, right? We have to monitor this. We have to be aware. And so how should we use our time? What should we get lost in? You know, that's why I love coming to church, because here we look at life issues with a spiritual lens and we hear from God. And when it comes to this issue of how we use our time and our energy, I love this passage from Philippians chapter 4. Uh, look what it says. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, what is your answer to all these? The true and the noble, the right and the pure and the lovely. Is it the Chicago Cubs? Is it the White Sox? Not all the time. Do you see Kimbrel? Oh my goodness. Right? That's not pure and lovely. <laughs> you know, when I look at this passage, what I see is God. The answer always goes back to God. What is more pure and lovely? What is more admirable? As I consider his characteristics, his almighty power, his unfailing love, as I consider what he has done for us through the cross and the resurrection, as I consider what he's doing for us right now, working all for the good, if you want to get lost in something, there is no better option than getting lost in the wonder of God. Could I get an amen? Anyone amen that? In fact, what would it feel like if we do this regularly, get lost in the wonder of God? Well, sometimes we experience it now, but I, I was considering the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And, and some of you might know this account where Peter was taken with James and John to where Jesus went up to a mountain and his face shone like the sun and his clothes were as bright as white. And it was a time where Peter had gotten away from the world and on this mountain and was so absorbed in the wonder of God that this is what he felt. Here's what Peter said. He said, Lord, it is good for me to be here. It's so good when I see you for who you are, standing above in all your glory. It's so good. There's nothing better. In fact, that's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said, better is one day in the courts of the Lord than, than a thousand elsewhere. And, and so I could retranslate it. Better is one word from God than a thousand cat videos. Better is one glimpse of God than a grand slam. 
If I see God for who he truly is, there's nothing else I'd rather want. And that's what we get to talk about today. We get to talk about not only how it would feel, but what also we could do if this was our practice of getting lost in the wonder of God. What could we do? So we're in week four of our series called When Pigs Fly, and some approach to the miracles of Jesus, and they say, yeah, I'll believe that when pigs fly, but here we found we believe these are literal miracles that he's done. And we believe in a supernatural God who provides supernatural comfort for his people. And today we see Jesus walking on water, And after seeing that, Peter gets so absorbed in in who Jesus is and what he's doing that Peter says, I want to walk on water too. And we're going to learn from this account. But as we dig into it, uh, in honor of God's word, I'm just going to invite you to stand. And you can stand at home if you want as we just hear uh, God's powerful word. Uh, So here it is from Matthew 14. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the powerful word we get to hear. Uh, But can you encourage your neighbor by saying this word? Encourage your neighbor by saying, You can walk on water. You can walk on water. You can walk on water. All right, please be seated. We'll we'll talk about what that means. We don't want you trying that at your cabin lake house. Um, I'll explain it, don't worry. Every year, uh, my kids have a recital. Um, Have you been to a a recital where young kids are starting to play instruments? Anyone know the recorder recitals? Oh, my goodness, right? And and whenever someone is first getting to know an instrument, they're not very good, right? In fact, I remember the, the first song I ever played on piano was stepping up, stepping down, then a skip. And, and, and that's children's recitals in a nutshell, right? Stepping up. And, and we don't condescend by clapping for them, right? We know that it's taken all they got to struggle to get to the point of that first song, that first performance. For them, it's extreme. It takes all their energy, all their skill to just get their hand in time, right? So when parents clap, it's not a condescend. We know what it takes to get to that point. But I will never forget that in the midst of this children's recital, a world-class violinist played. (laughs) So so what happened is we had someone recently transferred to the school our kids were at, and she was known going from country to country playing the violin. And she'd been in performances that you pay money for, right? 
And so in the middle of all of these performances, she gets up, and I'll never forget her swagger. There is no fear. There is just a nonchalantness as she picks up her violin and is just, you know, like, and there is no screeching. There is no wrong notes. And you are just lost in the the wonder of this music. Your jaw is dropping like, oh, my goodness, I would pay money for this. And I was just considering the difference of emotion between the one kid trying to play their first song, Stepping Up, and her. The one kid doing everything just to try to handle that. And then she's like, yeah, I got this. Because what is a kid's recital compared to playing across the world where people have paid money to see you? Right? I got a point to the story. You ready? So the disciples are in the midst of this storm. And they're struggling with this wind that has buffeted them. And the passage says, this buffet word, that they're being harassed by it. They're struggling with it. And I don't believe they had yachts in that day. I didn't do the research. But I think they have a sailboat that is being tossed and turned by the wind. Right? And what they're struggling with, Jesus is standing on. (laughs) I love the dichotomy. They're struggling against the wind. And the very next verse, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. And so the first takeaway I have for you, I want to get right to it, is this. That God is standing over the thing we're struggling with. The thing you're worried about, he's walking on. And that is a word I think our our society, us as a people, need to hear over and over and over. That wind, that storm. And I know it looks different in our lives. It's not an actual wind and an actual storm. He's standing over Right now. This is a picture I just want to cement in your mind. Because what are the storms right now? Well, Jesus, I'm worried about my finances. As the unemployment benefits are running out and wondering how am I going to get a job and I'm wondering how is this going to affect my job going forward. Will I have a job going forward? It lasts for now, but what's going on? And what about my kids If their immune system is compromised, are they going to get it? What's going to happen? And what does it mean for school? Are are they going to learn enough or is this going to affect them for the rest of their lives? Are they going to be able to socialize appropriately? And anxiety. God, I've never done more work as I try to navigate all the changes and and how that has affected my workplace. and, and, And some people are working double and, oh, it's just too much. God, sometimes I just feel blue because the way I'm coping isn't always helping, but I don't know what else to do. I'm weak, Lord. When it comes to all these things, you have a God standing on the storm. What you're worried about, he's walking on. And he comes to you and he says, I stand over health circumstances, and I stand over the economy, and I stand over the future, and I stand over your job, and I speak to you, and I stand there, and I say, so take courage. Don't be afraid. You don't have to live in it. And to this we say hallelujah and amen. 
We can have courage. But let me ask you, because I know many of you are in the Lord. Is this new information or have you heard it before? Is this new information? You've heard it before? And so I I have this idea that maybe the problem is not so much the information, but the implementation. Does that make sense? Just like how we handle our bodies. Sometimes it's not the information. I can meet with a nutritionist and and know exactly what to eat. It is not always the information. It is the implementation. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so I think we need to talk about that a little bit because many Christians know Jesus is standing on the storm. And to talk about that, I have brought my prop. So has anyone ever balanced a broom on their hand? No? Before there was bottle flipping, there was broom balancing, friends. And so um, I'll give you the tricks of the trade. Um, To balance the broom on the hand successfully, you have to know where to look. Do you think I can balance it, Sophia? No? Is it going to fall? All right. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I can balance it for a while, but I have to look at a certain place. Are you ready, Sophia? So I have to look up. And as long as I look up, Sophia, you're seeing this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can do that with my hand. Uh Uh-huh. I could be here for days, Sophia. You believe me? You believe me? As long as I am looking up, I am a broom balancer extraordinaire. Don't worry, you don't have to pay money for this. I'm here all day, right? So as long as I look up, I can keep the broom balanced, right? Pretty easy, in fact. Um, Sophia, you could do it, I'm sure. But now look when I change my focus. Look what happens when I look down at my hand. When I look at my hand, almost immediately, (laughs) I do not know how to balance this broom. I do not know... (laughs) I guess it goes forward. I do not know where it's going to go. And so everything comes crumbling down, and there's a huge dichotomy. Now, go with me here. Christ has said through the words of Lauren Daigle, look look up, child. Look up, child. And when you are looking up, and I don't mean the top of a broom, but I do mean to him, I can make sure that my life is balanced. In fact, Jesus said at the end of a, a sermon, if you build on me, There will be storms, but it will not fall. You'll feel it. It might be weak. It might be wobbly. But you will not fall if you look at me. He is the one holding us up. Jesus has told us to the author of Hebrews, fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of the faith. And when you fix your focus there, you have reason to be confident. You have reason not to be afraid. But let me tell you what happens when you look down. When you start navel-gazing, when you start looking at your circumstances and your energy, things will crash because you and I are not enough and the circumstances are bigger than us. And so God is reminding us to keep our focus on him not just once a week, not just once an hour, But maybe every minute during COVID, we need to remember the Lord standing upon the thing we're struggling with over and over. And isn't this the story of Peter? So let's get back to Peter. Peter, as he looks at Jesus, what is he doing? He's walking on water. That's incredible. But then what happens? When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And it's then he began to sink. Peter had taken his focus 
from up here to right here and to the circumstances around him. And so the only way that we stay afloat is by focusing on Jesus. It's the only way we can handle things. Now, what's really interesting is that I can go to worship and pretty much the rest of the day I can stay afloat. What about you? Does worship last that long? And I have that moment, but then Monday comes and GMA is on. And I hear that TikTok and Chinese people are spying on my kids' dance moves. I'm like, why do they need to do that? Is China that bad at dancing? Why do they need my kids' dance moves? I don't know. But just thinking about that stuff, then it wrecks the focus that I priorly had. And it only takes Monday morning in a GMA announcement where I'm, I'm no longer doing this and I'm not looking at everything else that's going on and everything comes crashing. And so we see it is not about information, but it is often about implementation. It is often about going and doing this regularly as often as you need it, fixing your focus on Jesus Christ. You know, when Peter, when he didn't focus, Jesus spoke a word to him. And, and Jesus said this when Peter looked away. He said, you have little faith. Now, this challenged me this past week because um, I, I heard it wasn't nice to call people names. Um, you grow up in a household like that, don't call people names. In fact, I was watching some baseball and the, the Dodgers and the Astros and someone called a name and it didn't turn out well, friends. Um, and, um, and when I read this, this Greek, um, it was actually not a sentence, it was a word. What Jesus did here is he combined the word little and faith, and he, he came up with a, a, a new name, little faither. So, so he, he, he spoke to Peter, little faither, right? Why'd you doubt little faither? And I'm sure he did it with, you know, a good heart. He's the sinless son of God, so again, I, I don't claim any malice there. But, but he's, he's calling Peter little faither. And as I was considering that for my own life, I wonder how many moments during COVID and lately he has come up to my, my life and said, little faither, little faither, don't you see me standing on the storm? Little faither, when have I ever left you or forsaken you? Little faither, don't you know I'm even working these things out for your good? Little faither, don't you know that I'm standing right by you, can stick out my hand, and save you. What I find is, unfortunately, I've been too often like Peter. Too often filled with doubt. Too often fixing my focus on something others. And so today we neglect, today we repent of all the times maybe we've neglected God's word or looked away. And as we look to Jesus, <clears throat> The better title he gives us is not little faither, but child of God. Jesus looks into you and says, you're still my child. And Jesus, as a loving Heavenly Father, says, I know, child, you might be scared, but I still got you in the palm of my hands. As a child of God, you have the rights to everything Jesus did on the cross. As a child of God, you have the right to be forgiven for all of your sins and all of your doubts. 
And as a child of God brought into the family through the blood of Christ, you have the opportunity to share in resurrection power. Resurrection power that will raise you from this life to life everlasting. And resurrection power that can guide you through your earthly time here. Yes, God says to you, child of God. Much better title. But what could we do if we kept looking up? That's what I'm really concerned about. What could we do? You know, I was considering some of the amazing feats that humans had done. I don't know how many of you have ever planked. Have you heard of planking? Any plankers out there? Um, I heard of someone who could plank for two minutes, and I'm like, you did a great job because that's a minute more than I can do. Um, But do you know there is a guy who planked for over eight hours? Isn't that incredible? I would have not guessed that. His name is George Hood. Um, I, I guess, you know, in the military and, uh, you know, they're just made stronger. I don't know. But over eight hours he planked. Or consider what other humans do. In, in our congregation, we had someone do an Iron Man. Greg, you're awesome if you're watching. But there's a guy named William Pruitt who ran five Ironmans in five days. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I can't. And then the final guy that I was just amazed by is this guy named Wim Hof. Looks serious. I would be too in the cold. He's known as the Iceman because he's known for taking an ice bath that lasted an hour and 44 minutes. And he ran a marathon in the Arctic Circle without a shirt on. Why you'd want to do that, I have no idea. Like, he does not look happy, friends. Um, But he did it. (laughs) And I bring up amazing feats. Because I believe Peter gets a bad rap. Can I just say that? When we interpret this, I think Peter gets a bad rap. He does it often. In fact, in the upper room, when he claimed to follow God till death, he often gets a bad rap because he didn't. But how about praising him when the disciples were silent that he came up to Jesus and said, I love you that much. He gets a bad rap. And even here, you know what we remember about Peter often? Is that he sank. You know what we don't remember? Out of all people who ever lived, he walked on water. Holy cow! Maybe too much emphasis, but anyway. Um, (laughs) What we don't remember is he had miraculous power afforded to him simply as he looked to Jesus. And that is so inspiring. In fact, it made me think of all the great feats of faith. Do you know there's a chapter of the Bible dedicated to the feats of faith? Hebrews 11. Talks about a man named Abraham who God told him to go to a country and he went, packed everything up just because God said go. Talked about a woman named Sarah who had a child after menopause and had it simply through faith. Talked about the children of Israel who didn't walk on the water, walked through the water simply through faith. Talked about the walls of Jericho falling simply through faith. In fact, when it came to the miracles of Jesus, I found one account of a Roman centurion who told Jesus, if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus said in response, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. I don't know about you, but that's what I want from heaven. I don't want little faither. I want Jesus to be amazed. I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. If we get lost in the wonder of God... I believe, too, we can have feats of faith. In fact, what I want to challenge you this week is this. 
I want you to pursue a faith that walks on water. Now let me explain what that means. It doesn't mean literally walking on the water by your lake at the cabin. No, not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a young girl who stole her mom's cell phone so that she could record a video about her love for Jesus, telling her friends about Jesus, and said, Mom, can you post that on Facebook? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a teenager who got a birthday check from Grandma, and instead of going to Target, and instead of going to Ross, came to church and say, God, you're worthy of all of it. I'm talking about a visitor to church who has such love for people in the community, wants to create programs where maybe we do oil changes for single moms or have a 3D printer for the kids and we teach them something. I'm talking about the great volunteers at this church who spend their free time to create amazing ministry, whether it be team ministry or a logo. Earthly headlines may never show these feats of faith, but I tell you, heaven rejoices. I tell you, the Good News Network up there does not miss those feats of faith. And so I challenge you, how are you going to walk on water? What are you going to do as you get lost in the wonder of God? To solidify it even more, I wanted to give an analogy. Uh, it was funny to me because this past week I went skiing. And, uh, and so... When I was thinking about Jesus walking on water, I was also thinking how I just like smack into it. Like that's what I do, right? And, and this was my second time ever trying to really water ski. And the other time was like in high school. So it's been a few years, friends. <laughs> and um, I knew trying to water ski, the goal was not to stay up the whole time. I wasn't going to go around the lake four times, right? Not me. I knew that my goal was simply to make it a little further each time. And so for a while, it was just about getting up. And then after I got up, it was about handling the rope. And then after handling the rope, it was about handling the wake. And then after handling the wake, you know, handling both feet, you know, that want to do different things, right? My, my goal wasn't to just stay up. I wasn't going to stay up for forever. My goal was to make it just a little further each way. Here's where I'm going. God knows you're going to fall. God knows that faith cannot be perfect and he has seen our sin. I just wonder, how far are you going to make it before you fall? I wonder, when it comes to the kindness that you give other people, how far could you go in being kind before the fall? For those who have been given generous spirits, how far can that generosity go before you fall? For those who have been given the gift of mercy, how far will you forgive and go before the fall? God has already saved us because he walks over this, but how far could you walk on water? But it's not going to happen as we get lost in screen time. It's not going to happen as we binge Netflix. It's not going to happen as we get absorbed into sports. It will happen, though, as we hear God's word as we meet with the Lord. In fact, the last point is this, that we get lost in wonder by getting lost from this world. And so if you're like, I really do want to go and see how far I can get, what you need to do often then is get lost from this world. And do you know that's what Jesus did before he started walking on water? 
the very first verse that we considered was this. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. How much more don't we need that right now? Where maybe we're tempted to give up on worship because it's complicated or maybe online. How much more don't we need to get lost from this world and get lost in him? Because we know how it's going to feel. Better than anything this world can offer. And we can wonder what he might propel us to do. And how you and I might walk on water.